I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers Show, and Game One is in the books. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is KT Smith, Kevin Smith. What is going on, Coach? Brian, I, I fear that that intro music may be the most upbeat part of the of the show that's about to ensue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And what we're going to do here is. Uh, I guess I have to say it, uh, final score on Sunday from Acrisure Stadium. It was the San Francisco 49ers 30. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers 7, and it wasn't even that close. No, it felt a lot worse than that. If you had said 63 to 7, I would have been like, yep, that's about right. It was, uh, (laughs) what a game, and not in a good way. It's... Let me ask you this. As a coach, as we're here on Steel Curtain Network, a part of Fans First Sports Network for all of your, not only Pittsburgh Steelers needs, but for all of your sports needs. Can I ask you this? As a coach, KT, is it good to get a bad one? If you're going to have a bad one, get it out right at the beginning because there's a lot of time to turn it around, or is there just no time? Is a good time for a loss like that? Uh, I, I think there's two two kinds of these types of losses. There's two types of losses where you you just kind of get your doors blown off. There's the one where you feel as though you were 
you you had your chances, but you just didn't play well enough, and and then maybe things kind of you steamrolled a little bit and got out out of out of hand. You know, maybe you had some early chances and you just kind of squandered them, and then the momentum turned and you couldn't get it back. I mean, that's one type of a loss. And I think that there's some silver linings from those types of losses. And you say to yourself, hey, man, we've got to be better at cashing in on the opportunities when we get them against good teams. And uh, and you see you see a lot of positives in it. The other type of loss is the one where you just get your doors blown off and and you really weren't expecting to. And you kind of stand around in the aftermath saying to yourself, what just happened? And and that's what this one was that this was the bad, bad loss. <laughs> if I could put him into the good, bad loss or the bad, bad loss. I mean, this was the bad, bad loss. The one where, where you, you probably feel pretty good about yourself and you think you have a good game plan and you feel prepared and, and you're coming off of a, in the Steelers case, a really good preseason. And you know, you're playing against a really good team, but you got them at home and there's a lot of optimism around you. And then they just come in and steamroll you. And so there's going to be some soul searching. The Steelers don't play again until next Monday night. So they've got a little bit extra time to digest this. Uh, but there's going to be some steam. There's going to be some soul searching. There's going to be some guys, coaches and players alike, looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, all right, how do we recover from this and move forward? That is what this show is going to be all about. How do the Pittsburgh Steelers recover? But we've got to talk about what went wrong before we can talk about what can go right. And so that's what we're going to do in the second half of the show. But we're going to take a quick little break for this special message. And we'll be right back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers show on Steel Curtain Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is alongside me as well. We are both the host of this show called Here We Go. Yeah, did we even get started yet? Here we go. Yeah, well, I feel like the Steelers did not get started, but that's that game's gone. The Steelers are 0-1. There are still 16 regular seasons to go. That's where my optimism lies. There were plenty of things to be really pessimistic about going forward, but there's some optimism too. So I actually want to go ahead and start out with the good things that we saw in this game. Now, there's not a lot to talk about, but I'm going to throw out some players, and I'm just going to ask you, what you thought of the performances of certain players. And 
I'm probably going to give you my good list early. And the guys on my good list here, the first one would be Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I thought that the Steelers did a nice job getting him involved. And he seems to be, we talked about this actually during the preseason, he seems to be a guy who's built pretty good rapport with Kenny Pickett quickly. And that Pickett feels as though he can go to Robinson uh, in early situations. And we saw some of that happen. And I think that as the season progresses, that relationship will grow. So yeah, that was encouraging. How about the running backs, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris? Now, they hardly got any carries. They truly only got nine carries. There were 10 rushes on the day, but one was a Kenny Pickett scramble. But for that small sample of playing time that those two got, I thought it was encouraging. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know how much they really were able to ever get into a rhythm and a lot of that didn't have to do with them. The Steelers got physically dominated up front, and that was really unfortunate. And when they weren't getting physically dominated, they were blowing assignments. On their first two possessions, on, on two big downs, or it actually wasn't their first two. It was two out of their first three possessions. On, on big downs, they blew assignments that put them in, in bad situations, put them behind the chains, as they say. First and 10 on their second possession, they run a – zone play to the left and Eric Armstead the big uh, nose tackle is uh, is in the gap between center Mason Cole and left guard Isaac Sayamalu and they've got a combination block they got to work double team on Armstead up the linebacker Fred Warner and they they never neither one of them gets off of Armstead and Warner comes just unblocked screaming downhill through the B gap and drops Harris for a two-yard loss it was a big hit on Najee um and the Steelers are in second and 12, and, and now they're behind the chains, and it's going to get really hard. They wind up throwing an interception on that drive, and on the very next drive, they're in second and eight, and they run the run a similar zone play. Now they run to the other side, and, and Armstead splits the double between Mason Cole and James Daniels, and now Armstead splits the double, and he's in the backfield, and Harris has to immediately cut the play to the backside, and the left tackle now, Dan Moore, should be coming down onto that play side linebacker, but he, he's not. He gets hung up working down inside on the, on the defensive interior, and now the backside backer comes through unblocked, and he smacks Harris for no gain. So so I just thought, like, wow, early on the Steelers were, were struggling uh, to block Armstead up front to get to the second level. When, when you're not getting off the first level and getting to the linebackers and you're giving the linebackers just free runs – at your running backs, that's going to be a problem. So, you know, nine carries, it's just hard. It's hard to say. Uh, I, I thought I thought that you know, a little bit later on they were a little more productive because San Francisco loosened up once they had a big lead. But for me, the issue with the running backs wasn't about the running backs. It was about the line. Let's talk about the defense real quick before we start talking about what went wrong in this game. And I'm sure we will have a lot to talk about there. But there are still some really good players on the defensive side of the ball. One's going to surprise a lot of people that I'll bring him up, and I will bring him up last. But, of course, we got to talk T.J. Watt, and it's just simple. I'm just going to ask you this. Is he at his peak time? Is, is this the best T.J. Watt we're going to see? He certainly seems to be right now 
in the prime of his prime, if that's a thing, uh, where 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 you're, he's going to be playing some of his best football. As long as he stays healthy, we know that he's just a guy who is almost impossible to account for uh, with an opposing offense. I mean, he, he got those three sacks today, and all three of them were different. He can just get to the quarterback in so many different ways and forced a couple of fumbles. I mean, he was – he was keeping the Steelers in the football game. It felt like for a while, at least giving them, giving them an opportunity to hang around. So, if the Steelers can rally, obviously, um, against other offenses and force teams to single block Watt, that's going to be a really, really uh, difficult assignment for them. So, obviously, a tremendous performance by him. I was impressed with two newcomers on defense. And one, two that we've been pretty excited about, one a little bit more than others. But I thought a Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander were absolutely fantastic. And now that this was, sure, they uh, did lose this game. The defense did give up a lot of rushing yards. But I thought these guys were all over the place and looked very, very good today. Who's better, Quan or a Landon? Or two, well, close two very to different, two yeah, two very different types of players. Roberts is a is a north south old school thumper, gets downhill, and Alexander does a little bit more moving side to side. But they both played really really well today, so that was encouraging. I thought you're talking about newcomers on the defense playing well. I thought Patrick Peterson had a pretty solid game. I mean, he he technically gave up two touchdown passes, but one of them was. Uh, on a on a safety blitz, the first one where Minka Fitzpatrick was coming on a blitz, and there was a combination coverage between Peterson and Demonte Kazee, and Peterson kind of lost his footing as he was passing off Brandon Ayuk to Kazee, and Kazee got over a little bit late. So I can't, you know, it's pretty hard to put that on Patrick Peterson. And then the second one was just an uh, absolute dime, an incredible throw from Brock Purdy to Ayuk on a back shoulder fade, where uh, Peterson was in fantastic position. But I thought that Peterson did a nice job as sort of like the quarterback of the secondary. He was back there. You could see him directing guys, the communication. And again, the results weren't there. But he looked pretty comfortable in his role. And I think that he's going to wind up being a big part of what the Steelers do on defense. And that's the guy that I said would surprise some people because he was the one I was saving for last there. And it is time to talk about Patrick Peterson. And that's the guy I actually thought that uh, he had a decent game. Yes, that one touchdown reception was, I mean, he had great coverage. Yeah. The first one, he fell down. And this was reported by Nick Farabaugh that after that happened, that, that first touchdown, they all changed their cleats on defense. Well, you know what? So, I mean, I can cite three instances. There's that one. There's Deontay Johnson slipping on 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 the hitch route as he comes into his break, that winds up in the in the inter, with the interception on Pittsburgh's second drive. Johnson, if he can just keep his feet, is is going to make a play on that ball. I don't know if he's going to catch it, but it's certainly not going to get picked off. And then there's Pat Fryermuth on on a third down in the second quarter on a on a ball where he makes a break at the sticks and he slips and falls and can't can't catch a pass because he's going down. He kind of Looked like he landed awkwardly the way his knee bent back there a little bit, but that was surprising. I'm just like, you know, the Steelers are the home team. You'd think that they'd have a pretty good idea for what the footing's going to be like and that they'd be 
that they'd react accordingly. You know, we're going to, we're supposed to be talking about the positive right now, <laughs> but you know, obviously there's, there's a, there's some, it's tough to, to have that conversation, but, but I was just, I just felt as though uh, they, they seemed to, to be uh, unprepared for some things for which you would have expected them to. And that includes just having a better grasp on the field conditions. The last guy that I want to talk about in the positives. Now, I'm sure there are some others, but Anthony McFarland, very good job. Kick returner. I was impressed with Ant Mac today. Do you feel like they finally found their guy? Yeah, he looked good returning kicks. Um, they swung him the ball out of the backfield. He, he looked explosive. So I, I think he gives the Steelers uh, an element that they're not in abundance with, and that is that quick burst. I thought, speaking of quick burst, I thought Calvin Austin did some decent things. They tried yes. to integrate him into the into the offense fairly early. He wasn't able to make any explosive plays, but you give you get him the ball in space enough, and those plays will come. So I was pleased to see the the uh, the attempt anyway to try to get Austin and McFarland integrated. And if I, and if we can go with one more guy uh, on the offense, he didn't play a big role today, but. Uh, and the Steelers weren't in the red zone enough for him to play a big role. But when they got down to the red zone, you immediately saw Darnell Washington come onto the field and uh, his pancake block of Nick Bosa. Nice. It was, was satisfying for, you know, for no other reason. And any time Nick Bosa gets pancaked, it's satisfying. Yes. Even for those Ohio state fans that are out there and there's a lot of them. So, you know, but if you're a Steeler fan and an Ohio state fan, and I know we have some here, on the Steel Curtain Network, I I know uh, Big G and uh, Big G Sean Gurley. I know uh, you know Tate as well. Those guys are Ohio State fans too, and I'm sure there are still there are some that haven't come forward as well. But that's that's no problem there. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. Bro. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who either. But let's go ahead and uh, let's yeah let's go ahead and look at the other side of things. And we're going to look at what went wrong with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, of course, the knee-jerk reactions on the post-game show. There are a lot of people that, of course, when there's a loss like this, they're giving us flack for not calling out for the head of Mike Tomlin. And uh, I had made a comment that, hey, look, if you want a scapegoat, Kenny Pickett was just not good on Sunday. He just, this is not an indictment of him and his entire body of work. This is not the end of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is one game, and I expect him to do so much better. But what went wrong with Kenny Pickett today? Because it just seemed like he was not accurate. And he played a whole lot better in the second half of 2022 than he did on Sunday against the 49ers. So how would you assess, I, I don't want to say the blame, but Kenny Pickett's role, was it probably the uh, the biggest piece of the losing puzzle? I don't, I don't think it was the biggest piece of the losing puzzle. I'll talk about what I think the biggest piece was in a minute, but it was, certainly was a large component. And, and it was surprising, obviously, after his stellar preseason I, I don't have access to or the, the all 22 film, or at least I don't have it yet. And, and that's where you get the opportunity to see the sky level view 
uh, and you see all 22 players and you can really see like what, what a defense in particular is doing with their coverages. You, you just can't really tell uh, from the, from the television camera angles, what coverage looks like. So my suspicion is when, when I get a chance to look at the all 22, we'll see San Francisco throwing some looks at Kenny Pickett for which he either wasn't expecting or wasn't prepared because it certainly seemed early in the game that he was holding the ball an awful long time in the pocket and was searching for receivers, which means that they either weren't getting separation, which is entirely possible, or that San Francisco was confusing him with their coverages. And that's not a shocking thing in week one. If you think back to last year, the Steelers turned Joe Burrow over five times, picked them off four times. Uh, and, and in large part, it was because they changed up all their tendencies from the previous time that they had met. And when I was on, on my call sheet show, the, the podcast I do for FFSN, uh, one of the topics this past week was game planning for week one. And what, what's something that you do uh, when you game plan for week one, you have this sort of abundance of time to prepare. And, and one of the big things you do is you kind of lay out some red herrings in the preseason. You, you show certain looks put them on film, hope that your opponent will prepare for you to do a certain thing based upon the look that you put out there. And then obviously when you get to week one, you change it up. And my suspicion is that San Francisco did some of that. And then when the Steelers got behind and they really, they just abandoned the run game. You you said nine rushes. I don't know how many passes they threw. I'm going to guess it's close to 40, but Uh, um, the Teddy Pickett was 31 of 46 in this game. Oh my gosh, that's more than I thought. So 46 passes and, and nine rushes. They're, the Steelers are going to lose every single time if that's their pass rush ratio because they're not built like that. I don't remember what the exact stat is. I had it in one of the articles I wrote recently, but the Steelers were something along the lines last year of six and one when Pickett threw the ball 32 times or less. And then they were three and seven when he threw it 32 times or more that 32 times was, I think, think, think their average for the season. So when they, when they threw it at their at or below their average, they were around six and one. And when they threw it above their average, I think they were like three and seven. So it's just, they're just not built to play that way. And I think when they got behind uh, 17, nothing and they, and they now, now a lot of the weight was on Pickett's shoulders and he started to force some things and he just wasn't comfortable. He wasn't ever comfortable. And, when you're uncomfortable, sometimes you miss the easy stuff. So he looked a little bit rattled too. I mean, there you if you, if you looked at his body language and you looked at his facial expressions on the sideline, I th- I think he was. I'm not going to say that he was like uh, overwhelmed or anything like that, but I, I think that he was a little bit, you know, like kind of in that mode that you get into when when things are hard and you're and you're struggling to find the answer. So so it was obviously a rough day for the young quarterback. Indeed, it was. So. What was the biggest problem on the offensive side of the ball that you would diagnose? I mean, the the speed and physicality of the San Francisco defense was just much greater than Pittsburgh's offense. The Steelers got snotted at the line of scrimmage. When they did try to run the ball early, San Francisco was downhill so fast and so aggressively. I mean, to give you an idea of how worried the Steelers were, with San Francisco's speed and aggressiveness on defense. I mean, they ran basically a reverse to Calvin Austin on the second play of the game. I mean, you don't see that. They threw the ball on their very first play to a little, a short little 
check down to George Pickens. He picked up six yards. Now they're in second and four. That's a great down to be in. A lot of good plays that you can call in second and four. And they went right away to uh, almost like a gimmicky play. It was a, I can't remember the exact design of it, but it was some sort of jet action. Uh, and then where they everybody kind of went one way and they tried to get Austin coming back on a sweep going the other way. And San Francisco was all over it. They dropped him for like a yard or two-yard loss. And they kind of put the Steelers in a little bit of a third and long. But like that, that you know, right away I thought to myself, that's an odd call for second and four and the second play of the game. Is is that a preemptive strike by Matt Canada to try to back San Francisco off so that they won't be so downhill to the football? Uh, obviously, it didn't work, and San Francisco remained a- extremely aggressive, and the Steelers couldn't back them off. They weren't able to back them off. They didn't take any deep shots. Right. I mean, I, I, I kept thinking, when are they going to take a deep shot? The, the 49ers, the safeties are starting to crowd up. They're getting an extra guy in the box. They're flying downhill to the ball. Uh, and the Steelers just didn't take any deep shots. And so, I mean, I, I guess, you know, to, the answer to your question is just the speed and aggressiveness of the San Francisco defense was just too great. And if you have to put it in really simple terms, man. You know, you're either the hammer or you're the nail on the football field. And and the San Francisco defense, they were the hammers. And the Steelers offensive line in particular, they were the nails. And when, it's, when it goes like that, it's going to be a bad day. Now, I think these are two different words in my estimation. But some people were saying that the Steelers were unprepared for this game. I feel like they were more ill-prepared for this game, almost like they didn't prepare correctly. I feel that they were prepared but it just didn't work. And when you bring up that jet sweep pass or whatever that was on the second play of the game, that's when I was like, uh, why are they bringing this out now? Bring this out later. Now I understand what possibly Matt Canada was thinking when he called that. But when you're scouting a team, you know that that was a staple of Matt Canada's offense in 2022. And you kind of expect to see that early. And they played right into their hands. So were they more unprepared or ill-prepared in your estimation? Yeah. No, I think that's a good point you're making. I don't think unprepared is appropriate. But yeah, ill-prepared. That is a better, much better way to say it. And I, like I look at it like this. The Steelers had all summer to get ready for this opening game. Watched it. Now, granted, it's really hard to evaluate or assess, I should say, the game plan going in. Because obviously they weren't they weren't planning on falling behind that quickly. Um, and, and had they gotten into a little bit of a rhythm early on, had they been able to make some first downs and move the chains, then maybe we really could have seen what the broader design looked like, what was what was the bigger plan. But in those first, what was it, five possessions, they didn't make a first down until there was about a minute left in the half when they were backed up against their own goal line. But in those first five or six possessions where they went three and out or they turned the ball over, there was no, there was nothing that they did that was, that broke any tendencies from last year. It looked like, it looked like last year's offense. And maybe, maybe they thought that was good enough, right? They, they'd had a, this flawless preseason where the first team scored five touchdowns and five drives. And, and maybe they thought that they could just kind of roll that out, but they were more creative in the preseason than they were today 
today, well, Sunday today, we're recording on Sunday, but like, it just, that that's what bothered me a little bit, right? I, I brought, I did a breakdown in an article I wrote for SCN where we looked at all the Steelers drives from the preseason and they really mixed things up. They were, they were very creative. And today just seemed like same old, same old, uh, at least in the, in the meat of the game before things got, got out of hand. So yeah, ill prepared, definitely a better term. All right. We need to talk about the defense and we're going to do that when we come back. And we're also going to talk about how the Steelers move forward when they take on a surprising winner on week one, the Cleveland Browns on Monday night football at Acrisure. We're going to talk about all of that when we come back, stick around. It's here we go. The Steelers show. We're about to find our smiles and our optimism. Stay with us. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back, and yeah, we're doing it. It is Kevin Smith. It is Brian Anthony Davis. It is Steel Curtain Network, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you check it out. I also hope you had a chance to check out the great lineup that occurred here on Steel Curtain Network on Monday. Started off with Jeff Hartman and Let's Ride, doing winners and losers, and looking at the Steelers and the 49ers. Then there was my show, bad language at noon and the hangover, which, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, where we all are right now. We're still a little hungover and that's Shannon white and the one and only Daniel J as well. And also if you had a chance to check out some of the, uh, some of the cleanup in the uh, Steelers post game show, go ahead, 
go ahead and back and take a listen to that as well. Uh, later on, coming up today, it's going to be the Mike Tomlin. Actually, Mike Tomlin, I was going to say post-game recap, but no, it's the Mike Tomlin weekly press conference recap here on Steel Curtain Network as well as we're preparing for the Cleveland Browns. And we're preparing to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers play those Cleveland Browns. So, so much going on. Stick with SCN all this week. Let's talk about the defense, Kevin, before we get on to the Browns. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty hard uh, to be excited about a whole lot other than what TJ Watt was able to do and maybe a couple of, of the new guys individually, like we mentioned. San Francisco, they're, they're a really well-coached football team. I mean, when I put on my, my sort of like coach's hat and I look around at the rest of the league, and at the teams, at the at the coaching staffs, who I admire the most and who I like to study the most, I mean, they're they're at the top of the list because they're so good at creating matchups, and they're so good at getting their best players the ball in advantageous situations, in situations where those guys can uh, can you know have room to operate, uh, and they're and they're just physical. They're really a physical physical offense. I think the play that probably defined. The game for me, if I had to pick one play and say like, okay, here's how, here's how that game went. It would be Christian McCaffrey's 65 yard touchdown run on the second play of the third quarter, which is a pretty ordinary run play. It's an outside zone run play. It's pretty ordinary. Uh, and he, and he kind of hits the hole, but like at the point of attack, the 49ers have, have everybody blocked and, you know, then, and here comes the safety downhill to fill. And, you know, he kind of gets wiped out by uh, an offensive lineman chipping off, executing his, his block perfectly. And McCaffrey kind of bounces it wide. And then Brandon Ayuk, who was a beast all day long, he had the two touchdown catches, simply come, swoops in, comes flying across the field and absolutely wipes out Levi Wallace. I mean, he, re, he just sends Levi Wallace flying with a pancake block. And Ayuk continues then to sprint down the field and as he's sprinting down the field, he almost gets cut off uh, by his teammate, Ray Ray McLeod, former Steeler, who's hustling over to pick up the final block. And McLeod and Ayuk wind up, you know, sort of ushering McCaffrey into the end zone. It was just, it was physical and it was hustle. And it was just like winning football, man. It's the little things. It's the effort that the wide receivers made in the run game that turned what was probably going to be a five or six yard run for McCaffrey into a 65 yard touchdown. And it was them physically manhandling the Steelers defense at the point of attack um, that, that sprung that run. So the, it just went like that too much. The, you know, the Steelers won some battles. The Steelers did some good things. Uh, they probably should have given up more points given how bad the offense was. The defense probably, you know, kept that score from really getting out of hand, uh, particularly, you know, when they got, when San Francisco got deep into Pittsburgh territory, it felt like they were deep in Pittsburgh territory all game. But it was, again, it was just a physical mismatch. And I think that's the most disappointing thing because you, you like to think that the Steelers are a physical football team, but uh, phew, they, they got manhandled today. Besides being manhandled, what are your big concerns when you think about Terrell Austin's defense? 
I don't, you know, I don't know because it's it's obviously very early in the season. There's a lot of new new pieces on that defense, and you have to give it a little bit of time to see how it comes together. And you know, you can't overreact to a poor performance against a team like San Francisco, especially when they had all summer to get ready for you, because you know that they're one of the best uh, coach teams in the league and the most physical. And the physicality that's an issue in Week One in particular because. In the summertime, the, the starting guys, they, they just don't have a ton of contact. I mean, you go up against each other in practice every day, but those practices are, are fairly you know well-controlled, quick whistle. You play the exhibition games, the preseason game. There's only three of them. The starters don't play a whole lot. I, you just don't get a lot of really, really physical game-style reps. And then you got to go out there against an offense like San Francisco's, which is complicated, complicated. Uh, which does a great job with mismatches and, and, and whose style of play you can't mimic with your scout team, right? There's nothing you can do with your scout team. That's going to make it look like what San Francisco does to you in a real situation. And without those game reps in previous weeks to condition you, like if this had been week seven or eight, I think the Steelers would have been more physical because they would have gotten that physical conditioning. But in week one, they just weren't, Weren't ready. Again, not unprepared, but ill-prepared, right? Just not physically ready for what San Francisco brought. And so tough matchup for in week one. And I don't, again, I don't know if I can, if I'm going to put it on Austin or if I can assess Austin just yet, you got to give that a little bit more time. Let's go ahead and take a look at Alex Highsmith. He was fairly anonymous in this game today actually on sunday and was that mostly the fact that he was up against an all pro in trent williams yeah i mean trent williams one of the best in the business and hit the, you know he managed to he managed to shut highsmith out and excellent job by him you, you were obviously hoping for a little bit more it felt like tj watt was a bit of a one-man show uh, he wasn't the only one the steelers didn't get a great push up the middle either uh, in pass, in their pass rush. And it just felt like, I mean, if it wasn't Watt applying pressure, Purdy just looked pretty comfortable. And and when he wasn't, when they did get some pressure, you got to give credit to Brock Purdy. He did a nice job at times of moving around the pocket, uh, just finding like a, a nice little hole where he could step up into to deliver a, a throw. And there's a, there's been some people who have questioned him. Was he Is he a guy who just sort of, caught lightning in a bottle last year as Mr. Irrelevant and is a nice story who got carried by a great 49ers team. Uh, or is he like a legitimate franchise quarterback who can take a really, really good team like San Francisco to the Super Bowl? Today, he looked like the latter. So my hat's off to him. Yeah, I cannot sleep on Brock Purdy anymore after seeing him play against the Pittsburgh Steelers because he had a very quick release. He got out of trouble he was very pinpoint in his passing. There was not much suspect. The biggest problem, biggest flaw in his game was holding onto the ball when he was getting attacked by TJ Watt. And that's about it. But that's not really on him when you're getting destroyed by one of the best in the game. But everything else, I mean, he got out of trouble. He, there could have been a lot of sacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game but Purdy kept on finding ways to just get out of peril. He did. He did. And, and uh, 
for a guy like him coming from where he did to have this much poise. There was one, there was one uh, camera shot of him at, for, you know, taken from the, the end zone. So you could, it sort of zoomed in on his face. And it was, it was as he was standing at the line of scrimmage, starting to go through his cadence and the Steelers defense is out there kind of jumping around, doing its thing. And I think that the expression, if I had to get sort of caption his expression in that moment, I mean, it, it simply would have been like calm. I mean, he just, he just looked very calm. He was just, he was just taking in his eyes were, were, were looking at what they should be looking at. He's probably looking at the safeties, trying to find, figure out the coverage, but he looked like, Totally un- under control, totally in his element. He is a well-prepared quarterback. And I think a fair question to ask. I, I am not a Matt Canada hater. Uh, and I am not trying to stir after one game, the whole fire Matt Canada thing. That that storm is in full fury already. It doesn't need me or anybody else to stoke the fire. Uh, but but the one thing that I, I wonder about Matt Canada is, is he good enough at developing a quarterback? to get Kenny Pickett to the next level because Kyle Shanahan has done a masterful job of developing Brock Purdy. Now you, now you can't say that universally, right? Because the, the 49ers just traded Trey Lance when they were, after they spent three first round draft picks on him, they were unable to develop him. So it's not like Shanahan has a magic wand that he can just wave and turn every quarterback into an all pro guy. But what, what he's done with Purdy who must be, you know, for his system, a really great fit, has been remarkable. And you just hope the Steelers are going to be able to do the same with Pickett. Now, Pickett's certainly grown as a quarterback, too. But uh, obviously, he was the 20th pick in the draft, and Purdy was the last pick in the draft. And right now, granted, Purdy's on a much better offense, but Purdy's just just the more complete quarterback. If we go back in time... And we look at some Steelers opening game debacles. There's a good bit of them. And the ones that I'm going to bring up for these opening day debacles are teams that actually made the playoffs, won playoff games as well. All of these teams actually won playoff games that I'm going to bring up. One of the most famous, worst opening games in Pittsburgh was actually worse than that of Sunday against San Francisco. It was a 51 to nothing loss in 1989 against the Cleveland Browns. They actually won a playoff game. They snuck into the playoffs and won a playoff game. If you go ahead to 1994, that's when the Pittsburgh Steelers opened up against, well, it was the Dallas Cowboys. And a lot of people are saying, Brian, you're thinking 1997. Yeah, they opened up at home against the Cowboys in 94 and 97 in week one. In 1994, the Steelers went and lost famously in the AFC Championship game, but they lost very badly to the Dallas Cowboys 26-9 to that year. In 1997, it was the Cowboys again. It was a 37 37- to seven loss at home in in 2001 the pittsburgh steelers went to a went to the afc championship game as well like they did in 94 and 97 losing 21 to 3 to jacksonville to start now i know mike tomlin was not the coach of any of these teams but the reason i'm bringing all this up kevin is the fact that 
those were teams that the Steelers were able to go ahead and make the playoffs and do well. Now, if you want to, when you want to go ahead and talk about a Mike Tomlin team that had a very poor start to a season, let's talk about 2011. It was September 11th of 2011, and I believe the final score is 35 to seven to the Baltimore Ravens. It was a terrible game, and the Steelers went 12 and four that season as well. They did not win a playoff game, but to the playoffs, that's the year they got Tebowed. But you cannot go ahead and make assumptions about a season after just one game, and the first game being a total debacle. So with that, Kevin, I'm asking you, do you feel that this is not the end, but there's a whole lot of football to be played and not to really worry about the Pittsburgh Steelers too much yet? No, of course. I agree 100%. I, they ran into a really, really good football team today uh, who who took it to them. And they now will have to regroup and regather. But you and I have talked about this before. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to write the Steelers off and, and we're going to have an opportunity to see, you know, chip on your shoulder Steelers, as opposed to uh, everybody's talking the Steelers up and they're everybody's kind of hot pick after their great preseason. And now, uh, you know, the Steel, I'm not saying that the Steelers relax or they read their press clippings, but when they are sort of backed into a corner, they they always seem to, to come back better. And, uh, and Mike Tomlin's been really resilient as a head coach. He's brilliant at finding the right message to help pick his guys up off the floor. And they'll obviously have to now go back to the drawing board a little bit from an X and O perspective and, and look at some, some of their execution failures and, and fix those. But yeah, there's, there's 16 football games remaining and the Steelers tend to get better as the season progresses. And I'd expect that to ring true here as well. The next opponent is the Cleveland Browns. It's Monday night football. It's at home. The Browns had a very big win against the Cincinnati Bengals, holding the Bengals to a mere three points. But the thing to look at here is the Cleveland Browns suffered a huge loss, losing Ty, losing uh, Jack Conklin in that game, the uh, left tackle. That makes a huge difference for the Cleveland Browns. What do you see going on? What do the Steelers really need to prepare for to be better prepared than ill-prepared in this game? And do you feel that uh, that could be a renaissance to the season? Well, you know, first of all, they're going to have to look at what 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 Cleveland did on defense to uh, frustrate Joe Burrow. I mean, Burrow just had his second straight nightmare opening day last year against the Steelers. We mentioned this. At the beginning of the show, he threw four picks and had a fumble, turned the ball over five times as the Steelers upset Cincinnati on opening day. And then on Sunday, Burrow went 14 out of 31 for 82 yards. He averaged 2.6 yards per pass. That is about as pathetic as it gets at the NFL level. And and they took him out of the game at the end because I, you know they didn't want him to get hurt. So the Steelers are going to have to look at what Cleveland did. I, you know, I haven't seen that film yet, so I can't comment on that. Uh, but obviously, they put together a great game plan to stifle Burrow and the Browns are obviously very familiar with the Steelers. So Steelers are going to have to change some things up. No doubt about that. And then, you know, when you flip it around, obviously you got to prepare for Cleveland's run game. They want to run the ball. 
to set up the pass. They ran, they rushed for 206 yards against uh, Cincinnati. I mean, Deshaun Watson, his, his numbers were pretty pedestrian. He was 16 out of 29 for 154 yards. I mean, nothing, nothing earth shattering there. Um, but they ran the ball well and they, and they were able to tick the clock and they were able to, to keep it away from Burrow. And, and that's obviously going to be their recipe. If the Steelers can defend the run and force Cleveland into passing situations, again, Watson didn't, didn't have a great day and he was also sacked three times. And now you, you subtract Conklin from the mix and the Steelers are going to have a pretty good opportunity to get after the passer. So for me, the key to success, the blueprint for success on defense is figure out how to get your extra hat into the box, take away Nick Chubb in the run game, force Cleveland to throw the football and then get after him with the pass rush. Well, there's some teams that lost some football games on Sunday and week one that I don't think anybody's going to count out either. And that one would be the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think that their season is over. And also the Kansas City Chiefs losing the opener as well. You know, so I don't think anybody is not slotting those two teams for the playoffs. I know Pittsburgh is a completely different team, but there's no reason to count them out as well. It's very hard and very easy at the same time to go ahead and pick a dude of the week. It's hard when the team has a terrible performance like this, but one diamond really, uh, really, he shined once again. And uh, is there any guess who our dude of the week is? There is zero guess. And I'm pretty sure everybody out there listening knows who it is. Uh, TJ Watt was, was TJ Watt. And he was TJ Watt in, its, in his finest form, which is a beautiful thing to watch. And if you if you take no no other enjoyment from Sunday's game, j- just enjoy the fact that uh, you get to watch this guy play every Sunday because he brings energy and enthusiasm. I mean, he was like he was like a one man show when it came to injecting excitement into the crowd at Acrisure Stadium. I mean, the only time you really saw the Steelers crowd get excited because San Francisco just did such a good job of like taking the air out of out of the place was when TJ Watt made one of his TJ Watt plays. So I'm, uh, I'm very grateful that the Steelers have him. So TJ Watt is on track. If I'm not mistaken for 51 sacks <laughs> over 17 games. If I'm, he's, if I'm, he fairly, I'm fairly sure that would set a new record. I'm yes. <laughs> I, I, I think if he gets to 23, he sets a new record, but he did set a Steelers franchise record. And with all the great sackers that the Steelers have had in their time in since 1933, when to think that 80.5 is the record and how quickly TJ Watt has done that, you know, it's just absolutely, you know, astonishing to think that he tied the record with James Harrison on Sunday at 80.5. And that's one that uh, that you fully expect to be broken in September. Yeah, and hey, we might see him get to 100 by this season. That would be pretty cool. It's yeah. not out of the question. Yeah, I, w- I would take that. The only thing that I was disappointed in, I kind of wanted to see Cam Hayward get to the record, tie the record first. And then TJ Watt break the record. 
so they both could have that time at number one. But now it's inevitable. TJ Watt is the king of all sacks, but you will be seeing Cam Hayward most likely being number two all time very soon as well. Yeah. What heck of a one-two punch, Brian. Yeah. And that's uh, when the best in the business is on your roster, things could look up. Kevin, it's time to uh, you know lick our wounds, get on out of here. I think it's I'm excited for Monday night. I am not discouraged with this team whatsoever. It's uh, maybe it was too soon to uh, to crown them, like <laughs> the one Dennis Green, the late Dennis Green would say. You want to crown them? Um, we we're not going to crown them just yet, but it is time for the Pittsburgh Steelers to go ahead and take the week and and uh, prepare for the Cleveland Browns. And everything that you said is something that I'm looking forward to seeing them put into fruition coming up this week. Yeah, big week for Coach Tomlin. I mean, he, he has a tremendous ability to rally the troops. He always seems to know the right note to hit. He's going to have to do it again this week. All right, let's get on out of here for Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for those hypocycloids. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.